Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Again, everybody, it is time for the Blue Gold Report podcast. I'm Mike Rags, uh, Todd Burlage by my side. The Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Uh, of course, wherever you found us, whether it's on the radio or on via podcast, make sure you rate us and you rank us and you love us and you tell everybody about us because the more Notre Dame fans there are out there in the world, the better off the world will become. That is for sure. Uh, well, they're 2-0 and now. It was painful to watch. Uh, they uh, once again played down to the competition level and once again definitely did not know how to stomp on someone's throat to get the win but they did get the win nonetheless and anytime you win in uh, college football that is a good thing ask the Purdue Boilermaker fans if they'd rather win or lose a game like that Uh, let's bring him in right now we've got a lots to discuss including some injuries that are really going to cause some problems this weekend Um, we'll talk about uh, I I, want to hear this Muffin McGraw story I heard rumblings of it and uh, I want to hear the 9-11 story you want to tell because I, I did see I saw the tail end of a story on TV about it we'll talk about that and what happened to the o-line and the running game that had us so happy after week one let's bring him in right now todd uh we got the win a win is a win is a win do you feel the same way yeah yeah i guess so (laughs) (laughs) game twos have not been too kind to brian kelly as a matter of fact he's five and four and arguably his two best teams rags 2012 the the run to the national championship game that second game was that purdue game that they had to squeak out at the Uh, very end and then 2015 um, that was that was another tough one that they had. They kind of muddled along here, and I'm trying to find. Oh, that was the Virginia game with the Will Fuller catch. Oh, yeah, that, that's sort of the miracle win there. So again, game twos have not been kind to Brian Kelly, and this certainly fit the bill there. I'll but, tell you when, what else has not been kind is when they're double digit favorites. I just it feels like you can never bet on them to win these type of games and cover. And I think they were what 33 at some yeah, point last yeah. week, almost it, five touchdowns. I mean that's uh, that's crazy to even think about that uh, they didn't even come close. They didn't even sniff it. No. It was never in, like it was. It was never even a possibility. You just knew that cover was never going to cover. It was really interesting. We'll break it down a little bit more specifically. But yeah, surviving a 20, 24, 16 win there. Who would have thought that? I, I went in the game thinking they're going to be able to play all these freshmen they, and they'd they be up. The whole, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sure. That sure as heck didn't happen. Well, and the interesting is thing too. It kind of does go into the narrative that I brought up last week is not knowing how to put the team away because it never felt like the game was in doubt as much as they struggled last week. It, it didn't feel like. They were going to lose ever, but at the same time, you know, they won by one score, and they, the ball state was always in the game. Did you? I mean, I never got the sense they were going to lose the game, but they definitely didn't play well enough to win the game. No, uh, that, that is for sure, and it, it certainly you, a lot of credit has to go to Ball State. I know we've been knocking Absolutely. Notre Dame all week, but man, they came out with a nice game plan, confident. I was surprised. Looked like a pretty good football team to me, Rags. Yeah, their quarterback was very confident too, making all the throws that you could. You know, that he could play on any level of, of football team. There's no doubt about it. All right. Well, let's, uh, but we'll get into it a little bit more detail and talk about some injuries. But let's do the Blue Gold Nuggets, which we always start every Blue Gold Report with. All right, let me shoot through these. I know we're going to be up against it here today, but we'll start with the TV ratings. Notre Dame is off to a great start. As a matter of fact, it's their best start uh, in seven years as far as ratings are concerned. Uh, the Ball State pulled in 2.4 million viewers. That's up 55% from the second game last year. And that Michigan, that was one, that was the premier game television wise of Labor Day weekend 
uh, and the most watched game, most watched Notre Dame game in 13 years. More than 7 million fans watched that game. So uh, people are certainly still tuning in and paying attention to the Irish. Um, I was out. I wanted to bring this up real quick, Rex, because it was a heck of a soccer game. Didn't go well for Notre Dame, uh, but I was out at the stadium uh, this past week for number two IU in town against number eight Notre Dame. Notre Dame was up uh, with 19 minutes to go, one nothing. Then IU ends up scoring with 11 minutes to go to tie it, uh. wins it in overtime. But uh, it's a good soccer team. I think Notre Dame is going to have a chance to go a long way, maybe even national championship type long way. Uh, and they'll be back at action on Monday against another top team, top 10 team in Michigan State. Uh, this week, men's basketball, the schedule, the ACC portion of the schedule has been finalized. Uh, let me just hit the highlights here. Uh, the home game highlights would be Syracuse on January 5th, Virginia on January 26th, Duke two days later. So you got Virginia on the 26th, then Duke on the 28th, and then Virginia Tech on February, February 23rd. All of those teams are expected to be ranked in the preseason top 25. Uh, the away schedule, January 1st, New Year's Day at Virginia Tech. And then they also go to North Carolina on the 15th of January, Miami on February 6th. Virginia on February 16th, and Louisville Louisville on March the 3rd. Wanted to run through some of these Irish in the pros here. I'll make this quick. I'm, again, these are the highlights. More guys played, but they weren't, weren't worth mentioning, in my opinion. Uh, Tyler Eifert had three catches for 44 yards uh, in a win over the over the Colts, obviously, he's a Bengal. Deshaun Kaiser filled in for Aaron Rodgers. Probably a lot of people saw that. Uh, went four for seven, passing 55 years. Did 55 yards did throw the pick. That Khalil uh, Mack play was unbelievable. Yeah, it really way. was. Aaron Rodgers came in and, and pulled his heroics, and they got out of us. Packard survived the Bears there. Uh, Zach Martin played all 64 snaps in the Dallas Cowboys loss. Mike McGlinchey, he actually started at right guard, or I'm sorry, right tackle, but then two, the, both the front line right guard and the second string right guard were hurt, so he shifted over and played most of the game there. Quentin Nelson played in all 82 snaps, offensive snaps for the Colts. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, he caught one pass for 11 yards. It was a touchdown uh, in Minnesota's win over San Francisco. And Golden State, uh, I'm sorry, Golden Tate scored a touchdown as well. Defensively, Isaac Rochelle, four tackles. Harrison Smith led his team, uh, Minnesota Vikings, with eight tackles. Jalen Smith, worth a mention, Dallas Cowboys, he had four tackles with a sack and a quarterback hurry. Uh, Manti Teo split some time, but for the uh, New Orleans Saints, he had four tackles, as did Pittsburgh Steelers' Stephon Tuitt. He had four tackles as well, so a little bit of stuff going on there. This is an interesting start time um, this week. Yeah, it's two thirty. It's typically three thirty. Not nobody really knows why they're doing this, uh, but it's a two thirty start. So be aware of that, folks. And then also on that, along those same lines, Wake Forest will be a noon start. That's uh, the game following this one. The game at Wake Forest that will be an early start, a noon start. And the women's soccer game has been postponed at North Carolina State due to Hurricane Florence. That will certainly be made up. And then finally, Nick Wisher, uh, really neat guy. Uh, Nick Wisher was. Honored this week with the All-State Award for just an all-around good dude, and he is. Uh, he started the Andrew Wisher Foundation. He lost his brother to cancer in 2012, and they started a foundation for this kid to help help families that are battling cancer, both right. financially and everything else. That foundation has raised $800,000 already, so good work there, and those are your Blue Gold Nuggets. All right. Uh, before we get into this Ball-State game, I know there was an injury or two you wanted to bring up that... Uh, that we should be talking about for the Vanderbilt game. Is this the Cole Komet situation? What what, what what am I missing out here? Is the high ankle sprain, or what, what What do we got? We'll start with him. Cole Komet, the tight end, he will be out with the high ankle sprain, but a bigger one that uh, was re- revealed last night. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, 
Uh, he's the backup rover, okay, and he kind of cross-trained a little bit, too. He broke his foot and will be oh, lost boy. for the season. And this is a big deal because the, these are the positions that there's they're just so thin when it comes to depth linebacker and then rover. And the reason I wanted to kind of expand on this a little bit, um, first of all, he, he's redshirted last year, and so he, he's played in a couple games this season but had not registered a tackle. But he did provide a little bit of depth, some much-needed depth. Now the problem becomes they, they have to get some of these guys, these young guys gone. Bo Bauer, freshman, um, sophomore Jordan, Denmark Heath, and freshman Shane Simon. These guys have got to step up and start playing. We heard nothing, but they raved about them, raved about them through spring, summer, fall. But now they really haven't done much. They're hardly even playing. And the reason, again, why I bring this up, did you realize that Drew Tranquil, Fort Wayne guy, obviously, uh, linebacker, and then Tavon Coney, another linebacker, those guys played all 97 snaps on Saturday against uh, Ball State. They played every snap against Michigan as well. I believe it was 69 snaps. Rags, you can survive that in September, maybe even into October. But at some point, you're going to have to find some depth on these defense because those two guys cannot play every snap this entire season. And so and, that's that's going to be interesting yeah. is to see if some of these guys can finally step up and, and crack the lineup. And Tavon had 14 tackles last week. He's got 24 in all. Uh, it, it's yeah, they're very active, very busy. But again, and we'll get into it, I guess, here in a in a, in a bit with the Ball State situation. Uh, we we planned on resting everybody. <laughs> I know it, 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 it's really rags, and I you know I'm the one that predicted 42 to three. I'll revisit that for you all. Um, and certainly, I, I I thought that this was the perfect opportunity. And there were some undertones even from Brian Kelly that he thought that was going to be an opportunity sure. to get a lot of guys in and get a look at some of these freshmen. And it just never happened. At this point, only seven true freshmen have played uh, this entire season. I think Brian Kelly thought it was going to be a heck of a lot more than that through the Ball State game. And I don't think it's going to happen for the Vanderbilt game either because. They're they're old and pretty deep, and they're two and zero as well. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, all right, Todd. So you, you look at this game overall last week, and we don't want to spend a lot of time on it because Vanderbilt's a, that's a big opponent trying to go three and zero. But um, a lot of concerns there, and one of them being the offensive line, kind of disappointing, and another step back in the progression of Brandon Wimbush. And it, I was shocked that he was not yanked. Last Saturday, I was kind of waiting on it too. You know, seventeen to thirty-one, the three picks, which was a career high, and then two hundred ninety-seven yards, which was also a career high. Uh, no TDs, didn't look good. I think Ball State had a lot to do with that. They really worked that Notre Dame line over. They had seven quarterback hurries. Mm-hmm. Again, I mentioned the three picks. They did a great job, but you're right. This offensive line has really, really struggled. As a matter of fact, they'll enter Saturday's game against Vanderbilt. They're 104th out of 128 teams in rush offense. They're only getting 124.5 yards per game now. Uh, What did they have against Ball State? Not too many. There it is, 117 net yards rushing. So not what you would have expected. And let's see what else they have. And they're they're way down there. They're only getting uh, 2.83 yards per carry as well. I mentioned the seven pressures uh, that the Cardinal defenders put on. That was a mess. That offensive line was a train wreck. So... I guess first of all, let's let's pump in, let, let's let's punch in Brian Kelly here talking about the offensive line. I do want to back up on a couple more Ball State things as well. It's never quite as good as you think, and it's never quite as bad. But what you really learn is that it's never um, about one player. It's generally, you know, the the 
it was a misfit or you know we we didn't we didn't get to the second level or um you know the five technique had always spiked inside this time he spiked outside so it's always a combination of things i think the bottom line relative to some of the things that went up front was that just a little bit too much indecision a little bit too much thinking we need to get off the ball hit some people in the nose and let's get rolling i think there was just a little bit too much you know, back-to-back -back weeks, a lot of stuff going on and um, a little bit too much indecision. Uh, this week will be much more, we're getting off the ball um, and, and be much more physical. If you prepare the right way, then you shouldn't be thinking on Saturdays. You should be reacting, right? If, if our preparation and our coaching is such that in practice that they see it, they've reacted to it, then, then on Saturday it should be second nature. You can't be standing around on game day waiting for things ha to happen. You have to flip the switch in a competitive mode and, and play and trust your teaching and trust what happened in practice and then react. And so that's why the preparation was not what it needed to be because our guys were standing around. So I take full responsibility for that, and we've got to get better. Yeah, another opponent. They're one and one. There's no doubt about that, Todd. Uh, yeah, for sure. And who would have who would have thought that was going to happen? You know, Ball State outrushes them, 169 yards to 117. Ball State had almost four yards per carry. Uh, again, a lot of credit has to go to Ball State. I really thought their game plan was outstanding, but. Man, to see an offensive line, you've had all this time to work together. It's been nothing but high marks and Raving high praise, them. and the new coach is doing a great job. And, and to have them standing around and look that loss was really something else. Eric Hansen did an interesting piece uh, kind of breaking down all of the pressures and all the missed assignments. He went and watched the whole game and looked at these, and it was amazing just how many Ball State Cardinals just came free unblocked and it went on the whole game and Wimbush was running for his life I don't know how many you know yeah. the, the, the sacks and everything else so it was a mess now that said you know Brian Kelly is right and you mentioned it at the top of the show if you a win's a win right yeah. you know and, yeah. and the, the style points don't matter in September they may matter a little bit in November but they don't really much matter in September so now you kind of get right the ship you talked about better preparations this week and he kind of gave a little bit of an overview on after the Ball State game on how he feels about where things are what we did well is we won the game but you know what we need to do better is prepare better our preparation has to be better I've got to prepare them better so we've got to coach better, um, and and then our guys know that um, you know what we learned from last week is that uh, we got to be locked in on our process. If 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 we're not locked in our process, um, you can get beat uh, any week. There's work to be done. There's no doubt about that. I, I've been in it long enough to know where the red panic button is, and it's not even near my desk. It's but there's work to be done. We have to build continuity, communication, a standard of how we practice, and a standard of how we communicate on a day-to-day -day basis. I wonder if the yellow button is near him, though, at least. <laughs> Maybe not the red, right, but I wonder yet. If... <laughs> uh, Interesting uh, perspective on things, that is for sure. But again, in, you know, he'd be talking a lot different if they didn't win that game, that's for sure. It's just, it's interesting to, again, and we've been doing this for a few years now, Rags, to mm -hmm. hear him talk about, you know, all these things that I think should be second nature. You know, your offensive line shouldn't be standing around. You shouldn't have to worry about preparing properly in, in the second game of the season. Now, I understand there might have been a little bit of a letdown. That's natural coming I, off the big I win against Michigan. That was a lot. Um, certainly, and that's that's understandable. But that's where the coaches come in. That's the coach's job 
to recognize that that letdown is going on during preparation and to pick the guys up. And I think Brian Kelly failed his team, but at least he's taken some responsibility and some accountability. And I think perhaps that game, Ball State game, the guys in the locker room, you would have thought they lost rags after that game. You got to figure that that's coming out with that with that attitude because when you're looking at a game where you're hoping to rest people and get people some reps and some snaps, and then he couldn't even sniff that. That that's bad. And. and uh, I think a lot of it was a trap game, and the fact that Ball State's an in-state, quote-unquote, rival, I'm going to call them rival, but they're in the state of Indiana. This was their Super Bowl, let's face it. I know they play IU this weekend, but and I might, I think they might beat IU, to be honest with you. <laughs> if, right. they, if their offense plays like that and executes, I think they might, but um, I, I think it was a little bit coming down to the level of competition and stepping up to the level of competition, and when you have a quarterback that obviously knows what he's doing and wasn't really intimidated right. at all, um, they're going to be able to maintain some sort of offense. And they were on long drives. They were really maintaining the ball a lot. They just didn't put a lot into the end zone. Interesting that that team, that's the team that lost nine in a row yeah. to end last season. It's, it's, it was hard to believe to watch them. I think we all knew coming in Ball State was going to be a solid offensive team. I didn't think they'd be able to move the ball like they did against Notre Dame. I have to admit that. Uh, but but they do have some a lot of returning players, a lot of returning skill players for sure. But I did not expect that defense to be that aggressive and to really take it to Notre Dame. That was the team's trouble last year, big time. They gave up tons and tons of points. And so that that was the big surprise for me. That was my takeaway. Do you give Brandon Wimbush a little bit of a pass here because that O-line played so bad? Or should we be concerned now that this this was not a good day for him at all? I think we have to be concerned because even though you have all that pressure – you're still a couple of the interceptions. He's just throwing it up for grabs, and you can get away. You know, obviously they were able to get away with that against Ball State. I don't even think they'd be able to get away with that against Vanderbilt. No, I, don't, I really I, don't. I don't know that there's too many teams left on this schedule that they'd able to be able to get away with that. Well, there does come a point in time where yeah, you give credit to Ball State, you do, you do, but it comes a time when you got to say to Brandon, dude, this is Ball State, you know, and and, and with that intonation, saying you know. You gotta. You, if you can't perform against this team, you know, what the heck are you gonna do against USC or Stanford, yeah. mm-hmm. which is coming up in just a couple of weeks, yeah. by the way. You know, um, and they look pretty darn strong. But you know, we turned our attention to Vandy. Vandy, it, their their team is designed kind of around the same way Stanford mm-hmm. is. You know, very much so, especially on offense. So this is a nice little test here to find out what we got. Yeah, the Neil kid was really good uh, for Ball State at quarterback. Uh, this Kyle Shermer kid, he's one of the best in the business oh, in the entire senior. country. Yeah, yeah, he is a senior. Um, they and Vandy's off to a good start. They have a lot of they have a lot of confidence right now. A uh, 35-7 win over Mid Tennessee, and then a 41-10 win over Nevada. So two and zero to start. They're actually tied for seventh in scoring defense. They're only giving up eight and a half points a game here. So I know that's a very small sample size, and perhaps not the most, uh, but, not, not the best competition in the world. But it is worth noting. But not for the quarterback. He's he's got forty four career touchdown passes. He's second to Jay Cutler in the whole uh, program history. He's got uh, he's got four games with at least three hundred yards passing, and is number five in the school's all time passing yards list right. with just over six thousand. So this kid's been around. He knows the offense, and he will not be intimidated. And I think you remember Derek Mason back in the beginning of the year. We we kind of mocked it a little bit. About how yeah. we play in the you know we play in this conference, we're not going to be intimidated going into Notre Dame. There might be something to that, Todd. Yeah, for sure. Now he struggled a little bit. Certainly, you would put him on the hot seat here. He's uh, this is his what is this? This is his sixth season. I think so. Yeah, 
Uh, actually, he's his fifth. He went three and nine, four and eight, six and seven, five and seven. So eighteen and thirty-one overall. But but backing up a little bit to Kyle Shermer, you know, he threw twenty-six touchdown passes last year, which was a Vanderbilt single-season record, and that record had stood up since nineteen eighty-two. The entire offensive line is back, mm-hmm. so certainly there's a lot going on here. Um, and I don't think they're going to be intimidated, especially when they look at that Ball State game film. I really don't. They're going to come in here ready to play. Um, as far as the serious concern is concerned, they've only played twice. That was a home and home in 1995 and 96. Um, actually, Notre Dame was ranked number six in that uh, that 96 game, and they had come from behind, uh, 14-7 win in that game. I, I scoff because it always seems to happen that they have right. in beginning of the year they have these games where they got to either get really desperate and win or hang on by the skin of their teeth. Amen, amen. That was actually Luce Holt's final season, and then a year earlier Notre Dame kind of did a number on didn't kind of do a number on him, 41 nothing. So you know I mentioned Vanderbilt they finished five and seven last year. They started two and zero. Uh, but then they got into conference play, and it did not go well for them. Um, as a matter of fact, they opened conference play. Where was it? I had it. Oh, 59 nothing to Alabama. Um, they, they really got handled by a lot of teams. Uh, 45-14 Georgia. Old Miss hung 57 on them, being 57-35. Uh, Kentucky 44-21. to So it kind of just, I'm going down the list here of some of these scores, just how many right. points they gave up. They started 0-7 in the SEC, and then they beat lowly Tennessee to finish things off. God, how bad is that program now? It's hard to believe. Uh, Them in Texas, it's like, what the heck happened there, right? Yeah, because Tennessee was 0-8 in conference play. So I think this is going to be a quality opponent. I think, obviously, when you're talking about an SEC school, never you can't take anything lightly here, and they'll be ready to go, and uh, Notre Dame better be ready to go as well. And their best player comes back on defense, right? Didn't uh, Ladarius Wiley, he he didn't play last week, got targeted. He he was uh, nailed for targeting a couple weeks ago, and he's their leading tackler, so he'll be out there on the field on defense. Uh, Let's hope the running game can get something going in the old line. Maybe maybe that's what they needed in that Ball State game, a little kick in the you-know-what, Todd, to Say hey, you guys aren't just going to be able to coast through these games. You got to come back more prepared and execute a lot better. Yeah, I mean we'll have to wait and see. Is is the unit as as good as I've been pimping it to be? We'll have to wait and see. And this is a good test. You're right. Does is does this serve as a wake up call? Are these guys as good as advertised? We'll find out this week. Or maybe they maybe the losses of McGlinchey and Nelson maybe they hurt worse than we thought they were going to. So well, uh, we're going to get a lot of questions answered this week. And it's puzzling because I know. Uh, Michigan won against a lower opponent, but they put up 45 or so points last week, yeah. and, and so th- there's something there. So you're encouraged by the fact that they were able to limit them on, on offense, but at the same time, it's like it, this quarterback thing, Todd, we're going to talk about it forever. Since Brian Kelly will be here, we're going to talk about how these quarterbacks can't keep going. Let me throw this back at you, Rags, since you brought up the quarterbacks again. Do you feel like Wimbush has a shorter leash this week? You would think so, because it's a it's one week less to get prepared for Stanford, which is coming closer. If you want to have a solid quarterback position on where on in that game, which is really the benchmark game for the rest of the season, at least early on here, um, you'd want to have a quarterback in there that's A, maybe got another game under his belt, or B, he straightened it out and he's headed in that direction. Yeah, so this is enough. the game. This is the the pivot point. I would even say half to again, I was shocked he didn't he yanked him last week. I thought for sure Ian Book was going to get in the rest of the game, especially in the second half. I think a lot of fans were looking for it. I was a little bit surprised he didn't happen. Now, that said, Rags, you've brought it up before. You said you 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 didn't know he's necessarily like a quick hook because you thought maybe it would behoove 
Brandon Wimbush to work through some of these right. tough spots. So there, there is, it is kind of a catch-22. And, and maybe that's a, that's the one good thing that came out of that, too, is that he did leave him in there, and he did let him try to get the reps and struggle you know, in a game that you kind of knew you were going to win anyway. But I, I really think, Todd, if it – like, Brian must have got the same sense I did. It never felt like the game was in doubt. If that game felt like it was in doubt a little bit more, if they fell behind, I think we might have seen Wimbush get yanked. Yeah, I think you're right, because you mentioned it earlier in the show. If they needed to score, like they didn't really need to score, but if they did, I think it would have been gone. Yeah, I think think you're on to something there, too. And you mentioned it earlier in the show, even though it was a close game and it was an ugly game, Ball State was in the game, you never truly felt like they were going to find a way to win that game. Notre Dame led from start to finish. Yes. Ball State never led, so so I, I think you might be on to something. The, the, the circumstances were such that you were able to keep Wimbush in there and let him work through it. And by the way, on a side note, is there any rhyme or reason to the goal line uh, bring Ian Book in to hand the ball off? I, I, it's two games in a row now that they did that. I, d- does it make any sense whatsoever about anything? No, not really, especially when you have a running quarterback like Brandon Wimbush. <laughs> I, I don't get it, but I guess uh, they they found something there. All right, before we say before we say goodbye and give our predictions here, let's tell this Muffet McGraw story, Todd, because it's 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 an important one. I only caught the tail end of it, and I want to learn more. Okay, uh, the credit on this goes to John Heisler over at Notre Dame. He put this piece together. I had no idea. I had never heard this story. A couple of uh, my colleagues knew about it, but Muffet's never really talked about it. She actually was had a seat on the flight. Uh, what was the flight number here? Anyhow, it was the flight. It was United Flight 175. That was the one from Boston. Boston. Yep. Uh, that crashed into the World Trade Center. And she was supposed to be on that flight. An assistant coach by the name of Kevin McGuff. They were out, they were out east recruiting, okay? And she was going to fly. She had to go all the way out west then. So she had a direct flight from Boston to L.A. That's right. what that. That's where that yep. plane was supposed to go. Yep. She was supposed to be on that flight, but they were staying in Providence. And McGuff talked her into just you know fly with me out of Providence. We'll go to Detroit, and then you can go Detroit to L.A. And she said, "Well, I don't really want to. I want you to drive me to Boston because I want that direct flight." Yeah. She really wanted yeah. the direct flight. She finally gave in. She finally gave wow. in, and and actually, uh, her husband said she never gives in on stuff like that. So <laughs> he he was pretty shocked, uh, and obviously very pleased. Uh, but certainly, so they loaded up the plane in Providence. Okay, her and the assistant coach, but the plane never took off. Right, obviously, because yeah. everybody was grounded. And nobody, yeah. but no, everybody was kind of in the dark on what was going on. Eventually, they they deboarded the plane and took everybody back in the terminal. And she said the second that they hit the terminal and then looked at the television, that's when that flight that she was supposed to be on crashed into the World Trade Center building. And she didn't realize it right away, but it didn't take her long to figure out that she was supposed to be on that flight. Now, ironically, Mike Bray was in the terminal as well. They didn't even know, but they ended up, uh, obviously, no flights were going out anymore. So they got the last rental car from Hertz, and the three of them drove the 14 whatever hours it was uh, back to South Bend. So pretty interesting story, I thought, and Heisler did a really good job. Look it up. It's on und.com, and John did a really nice job in putting that together. All right, Todd. Uh, well, technically, we're 2-0 and with our picks here. We're not really going out on a limb on the first two games. <laughs> well, Michigan, you know, we could have, you know, Michigan was a tough game. All right, so Vanderbilt coming in. Obviously, uh, their concerns off of last week. Do they write the ship? I say yes, they write the ship, and they put up some points this weekend too i think they're going to win 35 20 21 okay that's that sounds that's probably about the ballpark i was in i think they are going to score a few more points here vanderbilt is not built on its defense by any stretch of the imagination i think it's going to be a little bit of a tussle in the first half but i think notre dame's uh, sort of depth will take over eventually um i like notre dame maybe not as many points as you do 28 17 so i don't think 
Uh, neither one of us have Notre Dame covering here. I think they're about a 14-and-a-half-point favorite last I checked. Over, under, how many snaps does Ian Book get? Uh, he gets one on the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> over under, over under. How many does Drew Trank will get? Well, it's a good point. Well, I know that you're right. Those mileage, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna add it's up. It's gonna catch up with them. They, they would talk about and talk about November, 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 and I haven't seen anything so far to indicate they're building towards November. All right, Todd, great job. We'll do it all over again next week. Don't forget to uh, find us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts if, and tell your friends to find us and rate us and rank and, uh, and uh, you know, give us some star rating, rankings there because we, we like that kind of stuff. Uh, the Blue Gold Report podcast is brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons. Uh, don't forget to join us on radio, too, on Saturday mornings following our show. It is the... Well, it's our good buddy Phil Hauk, and he's got his show with Tim Priester, and it's the uh, Fighting Irish preview coming up in just a couple minutes. So we'll do it all over again next week, my friend. All right. Thanks, Rags. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.